This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Santa Baby, the season for a fresh cut is finally here with Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have just launched their fifth-generation performance package to help you avoid another silent night in the bedroom this year. Take care of your special snowflake with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra and watch your South Pole shine like never before. And this holiday season, you can get the best stocking stuffer of all by going to manscaped.com and using the promo code HUDDYHISTORIAN for 20% off plus free shipping. Mrs. Claus will thank you. And as a longtime Manscaped customer, I can attest I love the reliability and clean finish I always get with the Beard Hedger when my beard needs a trim. And as a hairy guy, I can tell you that is indeed quite often. But not to be outdone, I also love the Weed Whacker 2.0 to trim the nose and ear hair so that my wife doesn't complain about me looking like a scraggly mess. Manscaped is a one-stop shop for all of your holiday needs. They have the perfect gift in the Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, which includes loads of perfect stocking stuffers. I mean, what could be better than giving the gift of good hygiene and a few laughs this year? Starting with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, this is the crown jewel of the holidays and dare I say the best ball trimmer of all time? The Electric Razor's advanced skin-safe technology is a lifesaver and known for reducing nicks and cuts on his Santa sack. But of course, the fun doesn't stop there. Anybody in the family have too much scruff? Look no further than Manscaped Beard Hedger Pro Kit and Handyman Electric Face Shavers for all of his facial hair needs. But what if Dad has nasty nose hairs? Well, save the day with the Weed Whacker 2.0 Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Is there boxer game week? Take care of the chestnuts with Manscaped's Boxers 2.0, featuring their signature jewel pouch to keep you calm, cool, and collected. And lastly, have their nails seen better days? Manscaped has you covered there too with their new Shears 3.0 Nail Grooming Kit. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code HUDDYHISTORIAN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code HUDDYHISTORIAN, H-U-D-D-Y-H-I-S-T-O-R-I-A-N. Say ho, ho, ho to a well-groomed mistletoe with Manscaped. Supplemental, my thoughts on Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Welcome back, everyone. As I'm working on our next episode, as promised, I wanted to do a small supplemental episode to give you all my thoughts on the new blockbuster by Ridley Scott, Napoleon. Now, I know I'm probably a little late to the party here. There have been countless reactions on YouTube, X, formerly known as Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, etc. But I figured since we're doing you know, about as an extensive look at Napoleon's life as you will find anywhere on the internet, it was only right that I give my thoughts on the film. So here we go. Now, when I first saw the trailers for the movie about a year or so ago, I was excited, though cautiously optimistic. Obviously, I was a huge fan of Gladiator and still am, and my hopes had hinged that this movie would be a success because two of its main stars, Joaquin Phoenix and the aforementioned Scott, were reuniting for another historical drama. 
many of Scott's movies are amongst my all-time favorites, and some are considered landmarks in the history of filmmaking. So, again, with all of this in mind, I wanted to believe that this movie would be an all-time classic, in the vein of Gladiator, Alien, Blade Runner, etc. But even before it hit the theaters, I had my doubts, and unfortunately, when I went to see the movie with my wife, all of my doubts were confirmed in full. Now, look, I don't want to rehash everything that many bloggers have already said about the film, so I'll try and spare you some of the same BS that saturated every platform on the internet, but my biggest issues with the film came down to four main aspects. The first aspect was actually the casting of Joaquin Phoenix and his overall portrayal of Napoleon. Now, look, I like Phoenix as an actor, and he's certainly been very successful in his career, but Joaquin Phoenix, at the time of the recording of this episode in late 2023, is 49 years old, only two years younger than Napoleon was at the time of his death in 1821. What's more is that Phoenix was cast as Napoleon for the entire movie, including at the execution of Marie Antoinette, an event he wasn't physically present at, by the way, when he was only 24 years old. Now, not to sound ageist here, but how many 50-year-olds do we know look like 24-year-old men? I mean, Throughout the entire Napoleonic epic, if you will, Napoleon was between 24 and 45 years old, with himself being only two months shy of his 46th birthday at his defeat at Waterloo. And again, while I know this might sound a little trivial, it really did irk me because I personally felt that it made Napoleon physically look older on screen, and it also portrayed him as a pompous, immature, tyrannical brute, traits usually fit for a younger, up-and-coming politician but in this case, in the body of a middle-aged man. And to further this point, Phoenix is also 14 years older than Vanessa Kirby, who portrays Josephine, but we all know that Josephine was six years Napoleon's senior, so again, the, the whole thing just bothered me right from the start. And that brings us to the second thing I really disliked about the film, and that was the character development. Now, admittedly, when I heard that Scott was making this movie, I knew off the bat that a movie was likely going to be a poor choice of medium for the story of Napoleon. I mean, guys, we are now over a year and a half into Napoleon's life, and we are just at the War of the Fourth Coalition. So to do this man justice in three hours is virtually impossible. You would have to pick and choose which events, battles, and personal relationships that matter most to the story. But because of that, you hardly got any character development. Napoleon just showed up at Antoinette's execution, then skipped right to the Siege of Toulon. The film didn't really provide any context of his young life, which is important, especially since Napoleon was staunchly anti-French in his formative years, and it just took for granted the average audience member knowing who he was when he was getting ready to storm Toulon. Talleyrand just showed up out of nowhere. None of the marshals, save Bertier, were directly addressed as such. And maybe with the exception of Josephine, who was a main character, mind you, the only ancillary character in the movie that seemed to have any semblance of an introduction was Paul Barat and the Duke of Wellington. And don't even get me started on Tsar Alexander, who just popped up at Tilsit, but I will get to that in a minute. Now, in terms of Napoleon's characterization overall, I mean, look, it's a movie. I wasn't expecting this to be 100% factually accurate, and again, you had to pick and choose to get it to within the three-hour window. But I think Scott failed to understand just how well-educated and read Napoleon was. Napoleon was not this immature, garish man-child. In fact, quite the opposite. He wrote thousands of letters that still exist today and are quoted throughout this series. 
He commanded numerous military campaigns successfully by studying the histories of his heroes before him in Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, and Frederick the Great. And one of the reasons he took power was because he despised what the revolution had become, a sort of lawless anarchy without proper discipline and a sense of moral virtue that he believed was imperative should a state as large as France be able to function and exert her influence abroad. Now, was he self-serving to advance his career? Almost certainly, and probably even to a fault, but that also describes almost every major player of the French Revolution, from King Louis XVI to Robespierre to Barat to Sieyès to Napoleon, and, I mean, to Talleyrand. So, yes, his ego certainly played a role, but to have that be the only characterization of him? Well, I mean, that's disingenuous at best and flat-out wrong at the worst. And this is also to say nothing of the fact of social and political reforms he brought across France and Europe, which, I mean, barely got a mention, that are still in place today in countries all over the world. It didn't touch on his interest in law, his deep-minded thinking on domestic and foreign policy, or even his relationship with the Catholic Church. Well, I mean, except for the aggressively grabbed crown of Charlemagne from the Pope when he was crowning himself emperor, which we all know was an event that did not occur and was already discussed prior to the coronation. But I digress. The third thing that I really did not like about the film was the pacing. And I think this has probably been mentioned by everybody, but again, it it really bothered me. Because, not to sound repetitive, I know they had to pick and choose the battles and moments that make the film worth watching. But to jump so hastily from year to year, battle to battle, it, it was just agonizing. It really was. And then there were the battles that they chose. And those that, well, they didn't. I mean, look, obviously you're going to have to show Austerlitz, Borodino, and Waterloo. And I certainly understand them showing the Egyptian campaign. But to skip not one, but both Italian campaigns, to me, was criminal. I mean, fake as it was, one of the most iconic images of Napoleon was him crossing the Alps atop his magnificent steed. And yes, in real life it was a donkey. And you couldn't even show a snippet of that or the Battle of Marengo? I mean, again, the first Italian campaign put Napoleon on the map to stay, and it didn't even get a mention? That really bothered me. And the campaigns themselves, I mean, they just showed the battles without going into any context. The battle scenes were impressive, I will admit that. And to just have them show up on the battlefield and duke it out, well, I mean, that kind of cancels it out. It just came across as very rushed, and I hate to use this word, but very campy. I told my wife that each of those battles could have been a three-hour movie rather than all of Napoleon's career, which, in my opinion, deserved a well-produced series. That would have at least allowed for some character development and historical context. I'm thinking, you know, more on the lines of Band of Brothers and Pacific rather than The Crown, but all three are solid examples of what could have been done here. Instead, Scott tried to jam-pack a career that spanned decades into three hours, and, well, there really wasn't a good transition between any of these big events. It's a big-time fail, in my opinion, and one that has also made previous Napoleonic films, the few that there are, also miss the mark. And while this one was relatively minor in comparison, something else that really stood out to me was the languages used, or, well, rather not used. I know that the movie would be produced in English, but it just seemed, I don't know, weird to have every character speak English to one another, even the French to the British, as if the entire world only spoke English. And then to have Metternich at the end yell out, is this a joke in German? Well, 
that was also rather out of place. Especially since in the early 19th century, the lingua franca of Europe and the Western world was French. Hence the phrase lingua franca, literally the French language. So I guess if you're someone who enjoys battle sequences and minimalistic plot lines, Napoleon is the movie for you. But if you're looking for a historical epic that actually focuses on the history as best as it can, and considering you all are listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you do, it just missed the mark completely, and I would not recommend seeing it personally. But I won't lie, I do think that the movie has helped spike a lot of views and downloads of this podcast, so for that... Thank you, Ridley Scott. I certainly appreciate it. Which reminds me, I appreciate all of you. And thank you all for listening to my quick thoughts on the movie. And I'll be putting out a poll for this podcast, which is something I would like to do for future episodes. Um, I'm going to be putting one out on Spotify asking if you all enjoyed the movie for those who saw it. So let me know your thoughts, and then we can discuss that in our next episode, because I am genuinely curious. Did you like the movie? Was there something that the movie lacked? Was there anything that you wished the movie had been able to address? And that brings us back to our story at hand. Next week, you all will be getting a nice double dose, a supplemental on Marshal Davout, and a full episode next Sunday on the rest of the Prussian campaigns and the end of the War of the Fourth Coalition. I hope to see everyone there, and I'll chat with you all next week. And ciao for now.